Hi, this is Dana Hornby, pastor at Monterey United Methodist Church, and you're listening to The Calling, where we explore the lives of people who have been called to various types of ministries in their churches and in their communities. Today, we're here with Lindsay Holloway, founder and executive director of This Is Living Ministries. Introducing you to local church and community leaders, The Calling. Welcome, Lindsay. Hi, thank you for having me. We're so glad you're here. Did you grow up here in this community? I did. I was born in Cookville, Tennessee, um, where I went to school until seventh grade. And then at seventh grade, I transferred to Upperman Middle okay. School, well, High School at the time. I guess that would be middle school now. Did you enjoy your classes there? I did. I had some pretty amazing teachers. Did you have a favorite? Um, actually, yes. I had um, Miss Joy McCaleb. Did you have a favorite class? Um, I enjoyed my speech team a lot. It pushed me out of my comfort zone um, to be able to get in front of others and express my views. How comfortable were you being given a topic that you had never discussed before? Not very comfortable. I really wasn't comfortable getting in front of people. Um, but I had a mom that always pushed me to do things that were outside of my comfort zone. Yeah. Do you have other siblings in your family? Um, I do. I have an older sister, Tara, and a younger sister, Alexa. Are you the eldest? I'm the middle. The middle. Mm -hmm. Okay. How is that family dynamic work for you, being the middle child? Well, I guess I was the, just depend on which sister it was, I guess. (laughs) I was mean to the little one and adored the older one. There you go. (laughs) Sounds like the perfect middle child syndrome. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) So you were at Upperman High School Mm -hmm. and you enjoyed speech. Your teacher that you enjoyed was Mrs. McCaleb, you mm-hmm. said. How did she push you out of that comfort zone when you were in speech class? Um, well, Ms. McCaleb was my teacher for yearbook, newspaper, school te- television show. Um, she put me in leadership roles, um, which definitely was out of my comfort zone. Um, I didn't want to be a leader, but she pushed me to do that and to recognize that I had my own opinions and my own voice and to be able to express those. You're fortunate to have a teacher to help you find your voice. Yes. That's hard for kids. Yes. Yeah. It definitely came into play um, later on now in my life, that those skills that she helped me build. Did you have a best friend growing up? Um, Amber Jones was my best friend. And even when I transferred schools, um, she's been my best friend since I was four years old. Oh, wow. And yeah, she's stuck, stuck by me through everything. So if you had to choose one thing from childhood that's your favorite memory, what would that be? Probably my dad coaching my softball and my mom cheering in the grandstands. Oh, wow. What position did you play? Um, I was the catcher in second. Very nice. Yeah. How long did you play softball? Uh, I think about four years. Okay. Um, My dad coached my team, and then I switched to cheerleading once I got into junior high. Was it your dad hard on you as your coach? Yes. (laughs) Coach slash father? Yeah. Yeah. And your mom cheering you, though. Those are nice memories. Yeah. So as you grew up in this family with three children, dad, coach, did you have any special family traditions that you remember that brought you together as family? Um, we like to listen to a lot of old Beatles records and oh, yeah. sing and dance, you know, together. Okay. Well, those are my little memories, I guess. <laughs> yeah. What about the Beatles? What favorite song do you have from the Beatles? Um, I like Let It Be. Yeah, dad bragged that I could sing every Beatles song ever made by the time I was four. <laughs> wow. So are you a singer too? Um, I try not to do that in public, but <laughs> <laughs> but I love to sing. Yeah. 
So, Lindsay, there was a time in your life when speech club and softball and cheerleading changed and life became different for you Mm -hmm. and you had a a new experience. Well, I think um, at that age, around 15, 16, um, you have a lot of, depending on your personality, um, myself, I believe that I had to perform, you know, to be accepted and it was kind of like a click to be in certain sports and certain extracurricular activities. And I got to the point where, um, I guess, unworthiness had set in. And I started seeking out people that would accept me for me instead of having to perform to be with them. Um, and I found a different set of friends. I started hanging out with them. Um, a lot of them were doing drugs and experimenting. And I started about the age of 15 experimenting with um methamphetamines, um, drinking a lot, um, cocaine, quite a few other things. Um, but I felt accepted in that group. I didn't have to act a certain way or dress a certain way. I could, could fully be myself around that group of people. And I found myself slowly dropping out of those sports. Um, I think I was in a total of 14 clubs in junior high and high school. Wow. And I slowly started dropping out of those clubs and started hanging more around the other group of friends until eventually I dropped out halfway through my senior year after being top 20 of my class for the majority of high school. If you could give advice to a young person who felt that very same way that you feel, Mm -hmm. needed to belong, wanted to belong more than anything, felt like the fish out of water, Mm -hmm. what would you say to that young person? Um, What I figured out, the solution that I should have gone, because I was raised you know, in a Christian family, and I was raised in church, was um, I hadn't developed my relationship with Jesus. Personally, myself, I was kind of riding on others' beliefs and others, um, how they saw God. Um, But if I would have developed the identity in Christ, then I believe that I would have accepted myself for the way I was and not worried so much about what others thought I should be or who I should be or what I should have done. We're here with Lindsay Holloway. We'll be back in a moment. We're back with The Calling with Lindsay Holloway. Lindsay, we're interested in hearing about your story. I know that some of your story has been on Facebook. You've been making a lot of local appearances Mm -hmm. at churches in different groups. Can you tell us briefly your story and then tell us about this wonderful new ministry, this new calling that you have? Um, Yes, ma'am. I started, like I said earlier, using at the age of 15. um, By my senior year, I had dropped out halfway through my semester. Um, By 18, I was arrested for the first time. Um, I think I've had about 20 arrests up until the age of 24. Um, By 22, I was an IV drug user. Um, I was addicted to methamphetamines and opiates. Uh, 24, the day that I planned to commit suicide, was the day that the Lord intervened and sent cops and blue lights to surround my house. Um, Wasn't exactly the answer I was looking for, but it was an answer nonetheless. Um, That day I was arrested and I was facing 10 years in federal prison and a million dollars in fines. Um, But that day the Lord also sent me a Christian defense attorney. Um, The Christian defense attorney had me interview for a Christian a nonprofit program in Nashville called The Next Door. I was released to The Next Door program, completed the program, and then um, went to court. After a year and a half for my sentencing hearing, I turned down a jury and pled guilty because I felt 
the Lord would would do what was necessary to make me be the woman that I was supposed to be, whether that was in prison or out of prison. Um, The Lord intervened by sending a prosecuting attorney who um, saw me as a daughter of God instead of seeing me as an addict or um, a criminal. And he actually intervened and allowed me to have two years of probation instead of prison time because by the time I was sentenced, the Lord had completely transformed my life and I was given a second chance. And that led to, um, I moved back to Cookville, Tennessee in 2015 and I met my husband a week after I moved back home. Um, we started dating, got married and he really encouraged me and pushed me to do my calling that he saw something in me that I think I was a little too afraid to see. (laughs) And as I said before, I didn't really see myself as a leader, but the Lord equips those that he calls to whatever position that he puts us in. Um, And so I started seeking him and started doing the jail ministry at Life Church in Putnam County. And I kept seeing how drawn the girls were to me and Derek because they wanted what we had. They wanted that joy and that hope. So we sat down and prayed. Um, We felt like the Lord wanted us to stay in Cookville and make a change. And I prayed and prayed for the Lord to show me which way he wanted me to go with it. Um, I met a few ladies in the jail ministry that saw we had um, a lack of resources for women that were coming out of incarceration for them to be able to reenter society successfully. Most of the local county jails and the surrounding counties, um, their recidivism rate, which is they return within three years, um, is 80 to 90 percent. Um, the prisons for women are around 46%. So one out of two women released will be reincarcerated within three years. What are the reasons for that recidivism? Um, a lot of it is because of drug addiction. Um, another example is a lot of families um, aren't good structure support for them. Um, addiction seems to run rampant generationally. Yes. So if they don't have a safe place to go home to, to be surrounded and built up, then they end up on a couch of a drug dealer or a friend that's using. And as my husband says, you can only hang out at a barbershop so long before you get a haircut. Um, my husband and I were fortunate that we had um, Christian safe families that were very supportive that when we decided to change our lives and we were released from incarceration, they were there for us to help us rebuild. Um, but we want to be we want to be the church as a body to help others and show them that it is possible to do, even if they don't have that already built in support system. Right. And so this is living ministries was born from your desire to help. Absolutely. Yeah. What is this is living ministries? Um, we decided on the name. This is living. Um, because as I said, when I met my husband, he said that I'm, I might have learned, you know, how to get clean, but I had no idea what living was. Um, I didn't know how, to go to the lake and have fun. I just kind of avoided people. Um, I tried to stick to myself. Um, So we wanted to make it a point that to be living is to live in Christ and that Christ gives us the freedom to live out our lives the way that he's planned it, Um, which is why now our our group that we have on Thursday nights at Life Church, um, there's 40 to 50 of us a week. Uh, we go to concerts, we go to movies, um, we throw birthday parties, we we live life together, and to show them that this is living, this is really truly living, and being full of the joy and the hope, and pouring out His love to others around you. Are there any particular skills that women typically need coming back into the community? Absolutely. Um, One of the things I learned at the very beginning of um, 
of my journey with the Lord was that um, he expects us to be responsible with our finances. Um, I didn't know how to balance a checkbook. I didn't know how to create a budget. Um, those were things that we plan to teach the women very early on in the program. Um, I didn't know how to cook. Luckily, I you know, got a husband that expects me to cook, so <laughs> I've had to learn um, some cooking skills. Um, even with cleaning, like some of them don't know, you know, whenever you clean up the dishes from cooking, you don't pour the food in the sink. In the drain. You know? And you would think most people would know that, but if you've not had those skills and you were an addiction like myself, those weren't skills that you picked up along the way. Um, so cooking, cleaning, um, how to maintain a home, budgeting, um, finances. Um, we also want to work on, you know, some skills like changing the tire, changing oil, sure. things that, that they would need to not have to call someone else to help them with, um, which also helps with budgeting. <laughs> Those daily basic living skills yes. that we all have to count on. Yes. I think it's interesting that you mentioned that. You do all of these social activities together, and that's mm-hmm. wonderful because I think that a lot of times um, we have to remove ourselves from the friends that we hang out with before, mm-hmm. Yes, and we lose that social group, which to me reminds me of your story of just trying to find a place to belong. Mm-hmm. So when you have a group of wonderful women who are on this road to recovery and they're working so hard, are there certain things that they need to forget Yes, that's um, one of the things that we deal with or are going to be dealing with in the house is, um, as I said before, learning their identity. Um, There was a lot of traumas that happened to me um, in my addiction that built who I thought I was. Um, So if we use the word to dig in and find the roots that had been set down in them at a younger age, then we can uproot those lies and then we can replace them with the truth that God gives us. I bet you get a lot of joy stories. Yes. Yes, we do. Can you tell us a joy story? Um, let's see. We have a young couple in our Thursday night class um, that has recently gotten full custody of both of their children back. Um, they have their own apartment, and they are getting married in September. That's one of my favorite ones. And I, they actually asked my husband. Um, he's fixing to be ordained if my husband would wed them. Oh, wonderful. So, yeah. Well, good work. Congratulations. Yeah, you're listening to The Calling. We'll be right back in a moment. Our guest today on The Calling is Lindsay Holloway, and she would like to share a motivational moment. This is from 10 Habits of Intimacy with God by Dr. Rosaline Koblitz. Your spiritual core is made up of four values, intimacy, identity, integrity, and humility. These develop as separate entities within your sit place and your quiet time with God, as well as work together to help you in becoming all that you were destined to be and do. In your identity, it is important that you believe who you are in Christ. God states that you are very precious, chosen, holy, dearly loved, and a people belonging to Him. Believing these truths and so many more is your identity because you were created in the image of God. And believing and trusting in this identity is essential for creating a strong spiritual core. Intimacy has already been presented in the value of sharing your voice, your thoughts and feelings openly and truthfully, pausing to receive his care and comfort, and then listening to God's voice of truth and taking a hold of his grace in order to trust and obey the words that he speaks to you regarding your relationships and your circumstances. Integrity is presenting to the world 
that what they hear and see matches your private life as much as it matches your public life. No discrepancies. The world needs to see the good fruit of your integrity in truth, goodness, righteousness, gratitude, humility, and reverence to God. Humility is the fourth value that is needed to strengthen your spiritual core, and it is the pathway that leads out from your spiritual core of identity, intimacy, and integrity to fulfill your role in the kingdom. With a strong spiritual core, humility is the spiritual pathway to serve others with your vision, which is your purpose on earth, and your mission, which is the way that you walk out this vision. Everything God works in you is for the purpose of overflow to others. As he has loved you, so you love one another. Commit to fulfilling your role in the kingdom to declare God's grace to others. In my personal life, um, all of these have played out into my calling of starting This Is Living Ministries. And I try to walk that out daily and to let others see that what I do in my private life is overflowing into my public life just so that others can see the glory of God and his power to transform This is The Calling. We're back with Lindsay Holloway. Lindsay, thank you for telling your story today. We're excited to hear about this wonderful ministry. If we want to be involved with This Is Living Ministry, how do we do that? Um, you can email us at info at org. You can also go onto our website, org, And then you can all also find us on Facebook and Instagram at This Is Living Ministries. Perfect. Thank you. So we're going to not let you out of here today without our top five questions. You can plead the fifth on one of these. So feel free to pass. First, what's on your playlist? Oh, goodness. Um, United Pursuit, uh, Skillet. Let's see. Bethel Music. And then my husband's band, Paraffin. Nice. Plug for the husband there. (laughs) Okay. If there were a gag reel of your life. What would be on it? A gag reel? I'm really clumsy. I have really big feet, so mostly it'd be me tripping. (laughs) That's great. If we were going to make a rule that everyone had to follow, what would your rule be? Ooh. No putting other people down. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Very nice. If you could be invisible or you could fly, which would you want? I would totally fly. Yeah. (laughs) I get that. <laughs> and if we were going to make a movie of your life, who would you want to play your role? Oh, goodness. Well, I was named after Lindsay Wagner, the bionic woman. So Very she'd probably nice. be a good one. Lindsay Wagner. That's perfect. Yeah. Lindsay, we're grateful that you're here today. We uh, wish you luck and many blessings with your ministry. And thank you for sharing your story about your calling. Thank you so much.